0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive,
1: center field, the wall! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What is up? Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, July 21st. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Here to fire up the worryometer on some big names. Talk about some starting pitchers with innings limits. Scott has a very extensive article that is live on the site, and much more. Before we get to it, shout out to our Wisconsin audience currently celebrating the Bucks NBA championship. I'm rocking my Giannis Antetokounmpo shirt, which you can't really see because it's hiding behind my microphone, <laughs> uh, like the front runner that I am. But I'm very happy for him, and I'm very happy for the Bucks. So. Yeah, that's about enough NBA talk here on the podcast. What's going on, Scott? How are you? Doing good, Frank.
1: You're you're such a front runner. You're a Yankees fan. That's how everybody comes to be a Yankees fan, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, right? Like, I was just kind of born into a bunch of championships going on throughout my childhood. How old were you the last championship, which was what, 2000? 2009. I was Nine, 18 yeah. years old. Fun fact. What was that? I was 18 years old in oh, 2009. Okay. So, so you were a grown-up. Yeah, I was able to appreciate that one. And fun fact, don't tell anybody, but I played hooky from college that day. Went to the went to the <laughs> parade in the city. Got to enjoy that. But yeah, that's the one that it, I have. It the- doesn't
1: count as playing hooky in college.
0: Yeah, right. That was like
1: that was like uh, you know the thing everybody had to test when they first started started college. Right? Could I really get away with not going to this class?
0: Yeah, right. I mean, you're Everybody's paying for you're that. you're paying for it anyway, right? So if you don't go; it's you're just wasting your own money. Let's talk a little Very baseball. True. How about that? Oh my good, goodness gracious! All right, Scott, get us started here. Who you got?
1: Uh I think I'm gonna go with Joey Votto. I'm gonna go with our friend Joey Votto, who has no idea who I am, but I consider him a friend. He hit a home run. He walked on a two for three day, but. Really I want to highlight just how good he's been since returning from his thumb injury June 8th because it's been a while now it's been over 125 at bats. I'm not I, I don't have today's numbers included um because that would take too much math but entering entering uh, Tuesday he had hit 281 with six home runs so obviously a seventh home run now and at 863 OPS pretty good numbers just, you know, looking at them raw like that, that that makes him the ninth best first baseman in, in head-to-head points leagues during that stretch since returning from the thumb, ish, uh, thumb injury. And, of course, we talked before he suffered the thumb injury how good his underlying numbers looked and then, you know, maybe he was going to have a redemptive season here. It seems like it's happening, but not a lot of people have caught on because he's still available in about a third of CBS Sports Leagues, I believe. So they need to get on that, because first base, is, I don't know about you, but I I found it to be a difficult position to fill adequately this year. Joey Votto looks like a fine choice.
0: Yeah, and those underlying numbers, the expected batting average, according to StatCast, has dipped a little bit for Joey Votto. It's down to 268, but still has a 513 expected slugging percentage, and his current slug is at 468. That's... I don't know if that's including today yet, but it looks like he does have some ground to make up. He's he's mashing this year. He's absolutely crushing the ball, striking out a little bit more, but you're right. He is 65% rostered. Is Joey Votto this season? And let's see where he stacks up against some of the other first basemen in that roster rate. Alex Kiriloff, 70%. Andrew Vaughn, 69%. Ty Fran, 68%. Dom Smith, 65%. Would you put Joey Votto at the top of that group, Scott? Kirilov, Vaughn, France, vado, Dom Smith they're all between 65 and 70 percent rostered
1: I would I'd put Vado right at the tippy top. he had and I picked him up at a bunch of leagues when he came back and he's I think he's been a fixture in my lineup in all of them since then.
0: Well, how about this? I mean there's a few first basemen that are even much higher rostered right now then Joey Votto, including Jesus Aguilar, who's 90%. His stack has numbers are actually pretty good as well. Eric Hosmer has been a letdown. He's 85%. Josh Bell did hit his 14th home run of the season on Tuesday, came off of a lefty, and I've talked about how, how well he's played, but still sitting here and there. Would you rather have Votto over any of those? Aguilar, Hosmer, Josh Bell?
1: The only one I hesitate on is Aguilar. Okay. Um, but... Believe I would. Put, they're they're about in the same range. I still think I'd I'd slightly prefer Vado to Aguilar.
0: All right. So get Joey Vado on your team if he is available. If you play in a deeper league and somebody is not valuing him correctly, then go out and try and acquire Joey Vado. For me, oh my goodness gracious! From Tuesday, Tuki Toussaint. And I saw your tweet, Scott. We're doing this again. We're really doing this Tuki Toussaint <laughs> thing again. You. have I mean, I'm sure you know very much about him since he is on your Atlanta Braves, and we've kind of heard about him for. It feels like forever now at this point. I, what, five, six years? He's kind of just been in the pipeline for the Atlanta Braves, and we've heard about it for a while. And he put together a very good start on Tuesday. Six and two-thirds up against the Padres. Three hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts. Nine swinging strikes on 79 pitches. Nothing crazy there. Average just 92 miles per hour on the fastball. Uh, that's been 93 and a half miles per hour for his career. He did give up 10 hard-hit balls, so... This is basically a mixed bag start for me, Scott. Like, the overall results were pretty good, but there's nothing in the underlying numbers that really excited me. 16% rostered. Would you be willing to take a shot on Tuki Toussaint, maybe in some deeper leagues?
1: Yeah, it would have to be deeper leagues. It's going to take more than just one solid start. I mean, you look at the, the numbers he was putting up in the minors. Obviously, he'd been injured part of the year. They're not great. Now, they were really good at his last two starts at AAA. Um... Six innings, two hits, 11 strikeouts in one, six innings, three hits, seven strikeouts in the other. So, you know, certainly seemed like he was trending the right direction. And he's had good minor league numbers in the past. It's a really good curveball, especially. But yeah, I mean, a a lot of failure and repeated attempts to break through into the majors. He's had good starts before, so it's not like this is an isolated incident. It's not like this is a first for him. So I just I just need to see more but um have them on put them on the scout team for now.
0: Deeper leagues Ken Adam, shallower Throw them on the scout team for now. Let's see where it goes. Before we hit the news and notes, we are finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all that you guys do, and we really do hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Baseball today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link at the top of the episode description as well, the news and notes. We had some more rehab updates for Chris Sale and Carlos Carrasco. One of these went really well. The other one, not so much. Chris Sale at Double A. <laughs> well, that was the fun one. Three and two thirds hitless, one walk, six strikeouts. Apparently, averaged between 93 and 96 miles per hour on the gun there. Uh, that was according to Eric Cross, who does a lot of work with uh, with prospects. I believe uh, I don't want to give him the wrong uh, location of where he does his work, but Follow him on Twitter. He did 98. Yeah. He uh, was touching 97, 98 miles per hour for Chris Sale. And he also revealed, I saw this on Twitter, that his pregame meals used to be McDonald's and Taco Bell. Hmm. Why you would eat Taco Bell before pitching in a Major League Baseball game, I don't know. But apparently now he's on a much better diet Chris Sale is. Sounds like my kind of guy. Some Mickey D's and Taco Bell. I'm excited, Scott. Look, I mean, he's a Red Sox pitcher. We haven't seen him pitch since 2019, and i can throw my bias out the out the window here like i'm just excited to watch chris sale pitch again and so far he's looked really good
1: yeah i mean he could be amazing he could be i i don't think it's an exaggeration and i think we kind of disagreed on this the last time we brought up chris sale he could come back and be your best starting pitcher cuz uh, you know prior to 2019 when we know now he wasn't entirely healthy i mean he was top Five drafted as the top five, top three guy every year, and and and, and you know as good as he's looking on his rehab assignment, obviously with that consistent track record of dominance, I don't think it's a stretch. I, maybe he won't be permitted to go seven innings with consistency. That would be the 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 biggest point of concern for me. You know, obviously he could suffer a setback, and like Noah Syndergaard did in his recovery, that would that would probably be the biggest concern with Chris Sale and why he shouldn't you know, trade a quarter of your team for him. But if he's out there, and he's not out there in many CBS sports leagues, but if you play on some other site and he's out there, um, absolutely pick him up and uh, get ready to get him active as soon as he gets called up.
0: Yeah, you were much more optimistic the last time we spoke about him, Scott, but my... (laughs) My optimism is is growing. My confidence in Chris Sale. I don't want to overreact too much. You know, the guy's pitching at double A, but the footage that I saw, he looked like Chris Sale. Wipeout slider. If, if the fastball's touching 97, then there's a chance that Chris Sale's going to be uh, really, really good when he returns. I do want to give the proper shout out before that Eric Cross on Twitter, Eric Cross04. He works with Fantrax. He is their uh, prospect, their lead prospect analyst. He was actually at the game, so uh, if there's someone that you want to follow based on what was happening, he was actually there watching Chris Sale live. Carlos Carrasco, not so good in his rehab. At A. one and two thirds, five runs allowed, including three homers. He did build up to 41 pitches. There was some talk that he could be activated this weekend for the Mets. I don't think that's going to happen, Scott. I mean...
1: It probably shouldn't happen. No, I, if I were the Mets, if I were running the Mets, I'd want to see I want to see him bounce back from this outing first because that's pretty miserable. His first rehab outing, this was his second turn in the minors, recovering from this injury, and the first one went fine, two scoreless innings. He was at high class A then, so you know, I I I don't want to overreact to a rehab outing either way. Yeah, because. Obviously, getting ready to pitch again is more important than the results. Uh, So, I'm not like saying if you stashed, if you've been stashing Carrasco all this time, it was a waste of time. I'm not at all going to conclude that. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's certainly not what you want to see.
0: It's not what you want to see from one cookie Carrasco, but we're rooting for you. He's been through a lot. He's coming back from a torn hamstring as well. So, we're rooting for you, Carrasco. Get it back on track. Let's continue talking about the match. Jacob DeGrom, who is on the aisle with that forearm injury, is improving but has yet to resume throwing. Don't rush it. Let's let's get him healthy. Mookie Betts was on the bench for his third straight game on Tuesday with that hip injury. Jose Ramirez was not in the lineup on Tuesday and apparently has not fully recovered from his left elbow soreness and will get occasional days off in the coming weeks. So that's not great for Jose Ramirez. Chris Bryant was removed from Tuesday's game because of right hamstring fatigue. No trade yet. Sounds like he's going to be out of the lineup on Wednesday as well. Since the start of June, it's just been dreadful for Bryant. He's been battling through some injuries, but that's part of the reason why I was worried about him coming into the year. He made me look like a fool early on. Now the injury's kind of piling up here for Chris Bryant, who is I think probably close to getting traded here from the Cubs. According to Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, six to eight teams have engaged with the Rockies about a potential Trevor Story trade. So, you know, moving away from Coors Field, not going to be the best thing for Trevor Story's value, but maybe joining a better lineup will help with run and RBI production. That's that's the hope for Trevor Story. Ian Anderson you mentioned Scott is feeling better and will be reevaluated in a few days. He was placed in the IL last week with right shoulder inflammation for the Braves. Alec Bohm was cleared to return to the team but has yet to be activated from the COVID IL for the Phillies. Austin Gomber will be activated to start Wednesday against the Mariners. He is 64% rostered and if you remember, he had a 2.44 ERA over his last 10 starts. Should we be adding Austin Gomber where he's available, Scott? I would say
1: maybe. <laughs> but I don't think it's automatic because, yeah, he had been on a nice run and we were to the point where we were pretty much starting him every turn, but it was dangerous. It was dangerous with him, you know, obviously where he, where he pitches his home games in Colorado. And now coming back from from injury... You know, I, I don't know that he's going to pick up where he left off. I have my doubts about that. So, it's not a bad idea to pick him up. But if if you would have to drop somebody, if if it's painful to pick him up, because if we'd have to drop, then just don't do it.
0: Alec Manoa is only expected to miss one start. He was placed in the IL on Monday. Padres catcher Austin Nola could be activated this weekend. He is thirty percent rostered. If you need a catcher, however, Scott. We mentioned this yesterday. We would rank NOLA behind both Mitch Garver and Max Stassi in a one-catcher league, right? Yep. All right. Steven Strasburg threw long toss on Tuesday, and will throw another bullpen session Thursday or Friday. They reported that he didn't feel right last week, and now he's feeling much better. I don't know. Strasburg. (laughs) Yuck. It's it's every day. It's like a new kind of story situation, soap opera thing going on with Steven Strasburg. I hope he gets back, but... I'm not really holding my breath there. Lucas Sims will begin a rehab assignment next week. Sandy Alcantara was placed on the bereavement list, which means he will not make his scheduled start on Wednesday. Waskar Enoa will throw live batting practice this week and pitch in a complex league game next week. Enoa is 49% rostered if you're looking for a starting pitcher to stash, but obviously he's behind Chris Sale. He's behind Carlos Carrasco, and it's tough. It's it's just tough to stash starting pitchers with as many injuries as there are right now. Ray's mid- I, I may regret asking this, but what is a complex league game? That is, I think they just rechanged a bunch of the names of divisions in yeah, in I, the minors. Did. And I, I think that's like rookie ball. So they have the Florida oh, okay. com- Florida Complex League. I think they have another one. There might be like Arizona Complex League. See, I should probably know that, but... <laughs> I think we probably should both know that, but we'll get back to you guys. We'll let you know. <laughs> I'm sure the audience was wondering. I
1: was just, you know, I was, being, I was serving as their avatar.
0: Fair enough. Ray's reliever Nick Anderson felt good after throwing live batting practice and will start a rehab assignment with the club's rookie-level affiliate in the coming days. Maybe that'll be at the Complex League. Uh, David Price stated on Sunday that his pitch count will rise in his next start and that he's working towards a full-time starter role without limitations. He threw 66 pitches in his most recent start. And I I think he's widely available, Scott. So should we be making more of a deal out of David Price? He's 44% rostered. 66 Um. pitches his last time out. I yeah probably get up to like seventy five or eighty his next his next start. I feel like
1: the last time we talked about him, I was a little too harsh saying his numbers weren't that good in relief. The whip was high, but the babbitt his babbitt this year is close to four hundred, so he's had some really bad batted ball luck, which of course in the in the short spurts of relieving can happen. Um, I was also noting that his swinging strike rate wasn't very good, but that's. Always been true for him. He's never had a twelve. Well, other than his rookie season when he was pitching mostly in relief, he's never had a twelve percent swinging strike rate. That's just kind of part of David Price's profile. So, you know, the xFIPs three forty nine, the X is three sixty. He looked good in his last start, which I believe was four innings, but still he looked good. And if he's, if the plan is to build him up, and I think that should be the plan, given the Dodgers' pitching deficiencies. Uh, obviously a great supporting cast there, then yeah, I, I think Price probably need to get that roster rate up quite a bit. Maybe even double it.
0: Would you rather have David Price or Austin Gomber?
1: Probably the right range there, but I think I'd, I think I'd lean Price.
0: All right. Spencer Turnbull will undergo Tommy John surgery and miss the remainder of 2021. Nationals GM Mike Rizzo does not expect Starlin Castro to return to the Nationals this season after allegations of domestic violence. D.J. LeMay, he was scratched from Thursday's lineup due to a stomach virus. And after that solid start on Monday where we spent so much time talking about Griffin Jacks, he was optioned back to the minors by the Twins. So, I, yeah. hope, I hope we see you soon, Griffin Jacks. Well, we kind of uh, speculated that because it was a doubleheader, so that makes sense. But he, look, he looked pretty good, so um, hopefully. We see you soon, Griffin Jacks. A couple of names were placed on the IL. Tough break for the Royals as both Danny Duffy with the left flexer and... Brady Singer with his shoulder went to the IL. I was researching Jackson Kowar and Daniel Lynch to see if either of them were pitching well in the minors. Lynch definitely wasn't. Jackson Kowar, I think I remember seeing it was like a mixed bag, lots of strikeouts, but giving up some runs here to there. So maybe one of those guys gets a shot, but I don't really have very high expectations for either one. Uh, Zach Eflin went to the IL with right patellar tendonitis and Pirates starting pitcher Chase DeYoung with left knee inflammation. This is not exactly fantasy news, but was definitely baseball news as we had the first all-female broadcast in MLB history for the Rays and Orioles game on Tuesday night. I tuned in for a few innings, thought they did a great job, so shout out to them for making history, and I do want to touch on some prospects here, Scott. We had some updates, uh, both on some guys in the minors and guys that are currently playing in the big leagues, so uh, we will start with Nate Pearson, who has begun to build back up after being diagnosed with a sports hernia, and he will do so as a reliever, so if for some reason you were stashing Nate Pearson, looks like he's going to be in a relief role if he makes it back to the Blue Jays at some point this season and I don't really know what to make of his dynasty value at this point but I am uh not very excited. That's that's how I'll put it as someone who has him in in Scott's dynasty league. So, we'll see where well, it goes. He's he's on a bad contract in the dynasty league. I I
1: I would still say Nate Pearson is a top 20 prospect. So, let's I would say that, and you know, you're free to disagree, but um, I think it's too quick to, uh, you know, to, to, to move him that far down the prospect rankings, given the, the stuff that he possesses.
0: I think it's kind of similar in a way to Mackenzie Gore, right? Where we, we just don't know. It's too early to write them off. I agree with that, but we just don't really know what their projection and what their trajectory is going to look like at this point, just based on, Either struggles or injuries. Uh, more so for Pearson, it's it's been the injuries though. He struggled yeah, in the majors. Yeah, it's
1: been it's been more for Pearson injuries for Pearson. I mean, he didn't yeah. look great in the majors last year. He looked awesome in the playoffs um, when he was pitching out of the bullpen. So you know, we I, I think if he stays healthy, it's still a really good trajectory for Pearson. It's just a question of how long it takes for him to to really break through in the majors. Mackenzie Gore, his mechanics are just so, just got so screwed up at the alternate training site last year. And he's clearly not the same guy because of it. And that, that concerns me more, but at the same time, as, as quickly as that switch went off, I, it could go back on. And I was careful not to move him too far down my prospect rankings in my mid season, top 25 McKenzie Gore. I'm talking about now, but, you know, with, with that in mind, like, he he's mostly been working to reestablish his uh, mechanics, <laughs> <laughs> <commandics>, <laughs> mechanics, mechanics, uh, mechanics. like out of sight, not in actual minor league games. So we don't really know the extent of his progress, but it could be very quick that he gets it back. And uh, I still had him. I think is my second highest rated starting pitcher. Um, I was I was ranking only guys who hadn't made their major league debut yet. I think I saw Mackenzie Gore second highest among pitchers behind only Grayson Rodriguez of the Uh Orioles.
0: I was about to guess who was number one on that list, and I think Grayson Rodriguez has rightfully positioned himself as the number one pitching prospect left in the minor leagues. All right, so Scott, a little bit more uh, optimistic again with those two. So if you play in a dynasty, deeper keeper league, and and someone uh, is kind of souring on Pearson or Mackenzie Gore... Throw a Bilo offer out there. See what you can get. Uh, Josiah Gray did make his Major League debut on Tuesday up against the Giants. Mixed bag here as well. Four innings pitched, four hits, four runs. Allowed three home runs, but had seven strikeouts. I tuned in at some point. He struck out the side, looked absolutely filthy with the slider. Uh, 15 swinging strikes on 77 pitches. He averaged 94.9 miles per hour with his fastball on this one, Scott. So I don't know if he's going to stick around, but... Overall, I, I was pretty pleased by what Josiah Gray turned in, especially the 15 swinging strikes. The Giants have the sixth lowest swinging strike rate among all teams in baseball.
1: Yeah, the stuff looked good, and uh, so many pros- pitching prospects we've seen get called up this year and and not and and disappoint us. It was they disappointed us across the board, like. You know, It just didn't seem like they were fooling major league hitters at all, which was true even for Logan Gilbert when he first got called up. Now, he's obviously straightened it out since then. But to see Josiah Gray come up and his stuff look that overpowering, granted, he did allow three home runs, it's very encouraging. I I agree, and I pointed this out earlier in the week, that I don't think now is his time necessarily because Clayton Kershaw should be back soon. And Again, it doesn't look like Josiah Gray is ready to go five, six innings with consistency. Only went four on this one. But his time is coming soon.
0: All right. Some catcher prospects or used to be prospects. Uh, Dalton Varshow went two for three with a walk, and RBI, and a run scored on Tuesday. Cal Raleigh with the Mariners picked up his first major league hit. He went two for three with a double, two RBI. Both are rostered in 20% or less of CBS leagues. And Varshow's getting more playing time, Scott, because Carson Kelly's on the IL, and they recently, I believe it was DFA'd Stephen Vogt. I saw that he was playing with the Braves the other day, so that was a nice little surprise. Uh, if you play in a two-catcher league, which one would you be more interested in Dalton Varsho or Cal Raleigh? Raleigh,
1: because granted, he started out 0 for 12, but that's m- much less struggling we've seen from Cal Raleigh at the Cal Raleigh at the major league level than we've seen from Dalton Varsho, who entered today's game batting 144 and wasn't any better in his major league stint last year. Yeah, it looks like he's going to have to play a lot down the stretch um, now that. Now, the Stephen vote is out of the picture, but I need to see production beyond just this one game to get excited about Varsha again. More interested in Raleigh.
0: The Giants promoted outfield prospect Elliot Ramos to AAA. He had a great May, an awful June, and then was crushing it here in July at A. so that's why he was promoted to AAA. He offers some power, mild speed as well. A name to remember, Elliot Ramos there, which is actually, actually spelled H-E-L-I-O-T. For those wondering, Scott White's favorite prospect, Estevan Florial was recalled by the Yankees and hit his first Major League home run. So, take that, Scott. And- yes,
1: you, you said sarcastically my favorite prospect. Of and course. Just to point it out, I, I mean, good for him for having, you know, I think he walked two in addition to hitting the two-run homer. So, you know, maybe he'll surpass my expectations, but I do want to point out that in the minors this year between double and triple A. He was batting 214 with the 756 OPS. And at triple A, he was striking out more than 29% of the time. So how, how am I supposed to get excited about that? <laughs> you're I not, mean, you're not supposed to. Back I, when he was hyped as a prospect, it was like low, it was way low minors, low minors. This guy first got talked up as a prospect and has basically done very little as he's climbed the ladder. And he's, you know, doesn't get mentioned that high in prospect rankings anymore. So Esteban Flor Esteban Florial. Boy, I think I butchered that name. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would not invest much in him.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, in any kind of like standard league, you don't need to pay attention to him now, but he used to be a hyped-up Yankees prospect, some power, some speed at the higher levels of the minors. He really has not performed. I brought him up a few times earlier in the year, and Scott was just like, come on, man, why are we talking about Esteban Florial?" And then we just kind of spent a minute here talking about Estevan Florial. So that's how we just kind of tie in this entire story. And I did want to bring up Lord Brandon Marsh feeling good on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to watch the South Park episode, Scott. It was so good. Uh Brandon Marshwood 1 for three with a walk. His first stolen base that comes one day after racking up three hits, 28% rostered, is Brandon Marsh. Five outfielder leagues, category leagues. Yeah. I- I'm pretty interested in Brandon Marsh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm more interested in him than Florial, I will say.
0: As you should be. You definitely I'm less be.
1: interested in him, in him than Jaron Duran. Still. Uh, Agreed. But, you know, first three games, so far so good for Brandon Marsh.
0: And that brings us to Jared Kelnick. So let's fire up the worryometer, Scott, because Jared Kelnick went 0 for 4 with two more strikeouts. He now has eight strikeouts in four games since returning to the majors. Small sample size, obviously. He's still 77% rostered. Where are we at, Scott? Worryometer, 1 to 10. Jared Kelnick. Uh, it's higher than when he got sent down,
1: frankly. It's probably about a f- five now. Um, but yeah, four games. Four games. It'd, it'd be nice if at least one of those four games he didn't strike out twice. Yeah. But it is only four games. Especially... keep it, put it in perspective.
0: Especially playing in Coors Field too, right? It's like, come on, man. You're in Coors Field. Let's take some advantage here. 77% rostered. I guess... I don't see how you could start him right now. I mean, maybe he runs into a few here and, and he gets hot. But the way that... He's playing and other prospects have struggled. I'm all right leaving him on the bench. See what happens here. But again, it's only four games. So let's see what happens here with, uh, with Jared Kelnick. Let's talk about Aaron Nola, Scott, who I just I, I can't figure it out. I, I will attempt to figure it out. I will tell you what I am seeing, and then you can retort. But up against the Yankees, first game back off the COVID IL, five and a third, seven hits, four runs. I believe it was two home runs that he gave up in the start He had 12 swinging strikes on 101 pitches, an okay amount, nothing crazy. The fastball velocity was actually up in this one, uh, one mile per hour. He allowed eight hard hit balls to a depleted Yankees lineup. It's nowhere near the Yankees lineup we're used to seeing. This season, what I've seen, curveball and changeup have taken a step back, and his ground ball rate is just way down this year for reasons I I can't really understand. 40% ground ball rate, uh, that's been 50% for his career. So 10 percentage points drop year over year for Noah, that's just like a huge amount this season. So Scott Aaron Noah worryometer.
1: Yeah, it's still only like a 3 because, you know, you could you could find things that are different from past years for him and and it's worth looking into for sure. But Still, I mean, the 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 culmination of his numbers, points, suggests he should have a much better stat line than he does. Much, much better stat line than he does. It's been a really rough stretch here, obviously. Past 12 starts, he has a 586 ERA. It was 289 when that started. So it's not like it's it's been going on all season, but it's been going on for the majority of the season at this point. His swinging strike rate is elite. Even just his strike rate. During during the bad 12-start stretch, his swinging strike rate and his strike rate, the the percentage that he throws strikes, they're both elite. So it's not like he's missing a lot. Yeah, whatever, whatever is wrong with him, I think it's a minimal thing that'll be able to change. And certainly he's gotten a lot of strikeouts even during this rough stretch. Yeah, I'm not that worried. I'd, I'd consider him one of the more obvious buy lows.
0: All right, we are approaching... The MLB trade deadline, and I would imagine most trade deadlines in fantasy leagues as well. So, uh, continue to send out some buy low offers on Aaronola. I feel bad because people are, are asking what's going on. It's we don't really have an answer. Everything says that Nola should be better, but there, there's just not really anything. The only thing you know that maybe has led to this ground ball rate, this huge drop in ground ball rate, uh, is that his sinker usage has been cut in half this year, and, and that's a pitch that. Obviously, sinker has helped with his ground ball rate the past couple of seasons. So, I don't mm. know if that's like a pitch mix thing that they're they're purposely doing, but I think the lack well,
1: yeah, of I balls- mean, if it is, they need to change it because even yeah. um, you know, during that awful twelve start stretch, two home runs per nine is the rate. So, I mean, you could that's an that's a crazy high home run rate, and you can understand yep. uh, why he might want to get those fly balls down if that's the case. And it's interesting because I remember. Two years ago, I believe it was, his pitching coach was Chris Young, and he didn't like Chris Young's Chris Young's suggestion. Nola didn't that he should pitch up in the zone, which yeah you was know, the way that has been trending for pitchers. But Aaron Nola didn't really think it suited his pitches very well, and he was he's he's always pitched down in the zone and had had success with it. Uh, obviously, pitching down would yield more ground balls. Generally speaking, and um, so he went back to his pre-Chris Young approach in 2020 last year and had better numbers. You know, 2019 was kind of a disappointment for Aaron Nola. 2020 was much better. So you know, it, it seemed like he he diagnosed himself pretty well in that instance. And I'm wondering why it's taking so long for him to do the same now. Couldn't even tell you who the Phillies pitching coach is right now, or if it was the same guy as last year.
0: That is Caleb Cotham. I was just looking it up. And I believe they, they had a different pitching coach yeah. last year because we, yep. we, we had Ellen Adair on and she's a diehard Phillies fan and she talked about how whoever their pitching coach was last year did tremendous work with them and, and got their pitchers back on track. And it was so,
1: it was Brian Price, I think.
0: Brian Price, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. So that that could be what's going on here, but you know, maybe it's they're going further into like this four seam fastball usage for Aaronola and just watch him pitch. He doesn't have a very good fastball. Like he's known for his curveball, his changeup. It's all right. Let's let's work that sinker back in. I think it's something that normally I don't want sinkers, but for for Nola, I think it's something that could actually help him. Uh, John Means made his return, and he was not very good at the Tampa Bay Rays. Five innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs. He gave up two homers in this one. Only had five swinging strikes on seventy-eight pitches which I think is notable because Tampa Bay has the second highest swinging strike rate in all of baseball. Uh, the control with the fastball seemed off in this one and wanted to pay attention to the spin rates. This is a, this was Means' first start since the crackdown, and his spin rates were down between 127 and 173 RPM on each of his four pitches. So obviously they're down, not down as much as other starting pitchers that we've seen, Scott, but Notable, worryometer, John Means. Uh, I might go as
1: high as 6 for John Means. Not that I'm going to drop him or anything, but I'm kind of worried about this. Yeah, I mean cuz a big key to his breakthrough was learning to elevate that fastball and you think of an elevated fastball having a high spin rate on the fastball specifically, the spin was down 166 rpm. I mean, it's not it's not a drop like we've seen for you know, the, the big names that we talk about having the, the biggest change in spin rate. Garrett Cole and, you know, Trevor Bauer back when this first started. But it's still significant. It's still a significant drop. So, you know, we haven't seen performance and drops in spin rate so closely correlated A drop in performance and a drop in spin rate. There hasn't been a clear correlation there. Some... You know, there's a chance we're making too much of it to begin with. But I would have liked to see either better results or a better spin rate from John Means in his first start back.
0: Well, I will say this. He is currently in line for two starts next week up against the Marlins and the Tigers. Now, I've talked about the Tigers. Their lineup is coming around. But Starling Marte might not be on the Marlins by next week. And their lineup is already very bad. So that... That's a get-right spot for John Means. And as bad as this start was, Scott, I, I think I'm probably going to roll him out there for two starts with those matchups, Marlins and Tigers.
1: Well, I, I'd be fine with that in a points league. I'd hesitate in a roto league, in a categories league of any kind, where you're looking to preserve ERA and whip and you know volume isn't as as important to you. Um, so he might be on that that points league, categories league border for me. When I do my two-star pitcher rankings for next week.
0: Next one up here, Scott, on the Worryometer. Cody Bellinger went 0-for-3. He's batting 161 with a 552 OPS. This is your 2019 National League MVP. And we talked about it. Shoulder surgery in the offseason. Had a calf injury earlier this year. Spent a lot of time on the IL. Something is seriously wrong with him right now because even the underlying numbers, he's not hitting the ball hard. Strikeout rate is way up again. 27% 27% actually represents a career high for him. Mm-hmm. What's your worryometer for Cody Bellinger? People are asking, do I drop Cody Bellinger? Which seems crazy, but 552
1: OPS. Uh, 10. I don't award many 10s, but I just... I have very low expectations for him the rest of this season. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I'd go as far as to drop him because it could click. And, you know, he could return to that MVP level for the final two months of the year. I I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. But I don't want to start him until I see some signs of him coming around. And I'm I'm just not optimistic those are going to happen. And, you know, frankly... Kind of rooting against it at this point because I'd like to get him at a steep, steep discount next year, and hopefully he's another year removed from shoulder surgery. had a had some time to reassess those mechanics. He's constantly tinkering with. I mean, I, I don't wish I don't wish ill on the guy or his career or anything. I'm just looking out for numero uno, you know.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> How dare yeah, you! I,
1: I like the I like the possibility of a of a, of a deeply discounted Cody Bellinger next year.
0: If he keeps something like this up, I mean, you're. I don't. I, I can't even speculate on where he would be drafted. Probably outside of the first four rounds, at least. Maybe at least. I mean, I it, mean it could drop. I don't know that that'd that. be enough of a discount for me. Frankly, I'm yeah. thinking like, you know, tenth
1: round, Cody Bellinger. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're you're way too optimistic, Scott. Like the furthest I could see is maybe we'll see. he falls to like the fifth or sixth round. But there's still a lot of we'll baseball see. to play this season. Let's see what happens with Bellinger. We're not dropping him, but. Could bench him for now, right? Uh, yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah, he's, he
1: should be benched for he's right now.
0: Actively hurting your lineup. Uh, Brian Hayes is the last one I wanted to talk about here. Who we've been getting some questions about. He did go two for five on Tuesday with an RBI, added three more strikeouts, but just not much power. Which you know is something that I think we were expecting this season. The ground balls are up, but just one homer in July, just two home runs in June as well. What's your worryometer, Scott, on Brian Hayes?
1: Oh, probably about a seven. I'm
0: not, you know, people People
1: keep talking about him. Should I drop this guy or should I drop Hayes? And I always pick the other guy, it seems like. I don't think I've recommended anybody drop Hayes yet, nor have I been motivated to drop him in any of the leagues where I have him. But that's going to change soon if he doesn't start to turn things around. I, I really wish he hadn't gotten hurt early on and we could have seen, you know, how things played out when he was. You know, because sometimes an injury like that, it can just, it can just take, not not so much because you're not healthy, but just getting in like the swing of things again can be difficult to do. Uh, getting in mid-season form, I guess, when everybody else already is, it, you, you know, it, it it can be hard to, to just hit the ground running like that. And I wonder if that's what's happened to Cabrian Hayes this year or if. You know, he just got insanely hot when we saw him last year and kind of inflated our expectations for him. That's that's certainly a possibility, but I'm not ready to say that's what's going on for him yet.
0: Okay, Brian Hayes this year still has really strong plate discipline, 11% walk rate, even with the three strikeouts on Tuesday. Strikeout rate is at 21%, so that's very manageable. It's the ground balls. He's got a 55% ground ball rate. That's just too high for someone that, even if we're only expecting... 25 home runs, 55% ground ball rate is too high. I would, look, if you could buy on the the lowest of the low for Cabrian Hayes right now or even if someone drops him, uh, I I think that that's something I would look into doing. And again, like any type of dynasty keeper type format, Bellinger, Cabrian Hayes, if someone's souring on those guys, I, I would look to pounce there. Someone asked this question on Tuesday, Scott. Would you, I just talked about don't drop Cabrian Hayes, but would you drop him if you're in a shallower league for Jonathan India who went one for Three hit his eighth home run of the season on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I mean it may have been the same guy who asked me on Twitter. That may have been one of the scenarios I was talking about and you know particularly a shallower league. I just don't know I just don't think Jonathan League has Jonathan India really has shallow league value except as, you know, an emergency fill in because I I don't I don't think the ceiling is that high at least not at this stage of his career and i i i'm open to jonathan india developing into more but that's not where he is at this stage of his career even as he's, as good as he's been it's mostly been on base percentage with modest power and speed to go with it so i I'd, I'd rather hold out for the upside of hayes at least the perceived upside of hayes
0: before we move on I do got to tell you about express who is Back here as one of our sponsors, and we've been telling you a lot about them recently. Express Confidence, Express You. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. I've got to start with their Cotton Stretch shirts, which are breathable, stretch-infused cotton for all-day comfort. My first priority is always comfort. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident. They're also machine washable, so you don't have to worry about dry cleaning and are available in all different kinds of solid colors, and maybe you need to dress up for a special occasion this summer, a wedding, graduation, whatever it might be. Express offers suiting and separates designed to be worn together as a suit or separately with casual pieces. I bought one of their slim-fitting olive blazers from the Lux Comfort Collection, and it really is the perfect combination of style and comfort. Available in chambray, linen, seersucker, and the aforementioned Luxe Comfort knit. Make sure to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at express.com. Express confidence, express you. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about some starting pitchers with innings limits. Talked about them quite a bit recently, but we had three in particular in action on Tuesday. We'll do it next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Scott. So you wrote an article on the website, which is currently live. and You can find it at cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And three of the pitchers that you wrote about were Shane McClanahan, Luis Garcia, and Trevor Rogers, among many other names that we keep getting questions about. Uh, but let's just focus on these three, what they did on Tuesday, and, and then what their limits might be for the season. Shane McClanahan at the Orioles, five innings, one run, seven strikeouts, 22. That's right, 22. Swinging strikes on 93 pitches. <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier, Scott. I am going to be way way like overhyped on Shane McClanahan next year. I don't I don't know where I'm going to rank him yet, but it's going to probably be some absurd ranking because I just this kid is awesome. Electric, throws hard, lefty, he's got four different pitches, 49% ground ball rate. Really like Shane McClanahan. Uh really yep. like all three of these pitchers that we're going to talk about Luis Garcia six shutout against Cleveland with eight strikeouts 17 swinging strikes for him and then Trevor Rogers who was much more pedestrian than these other guys five innings two runs three strikeouts he has not completed six innings since June 15th McClanahan Garcia Trevor Rogers what did you see on Tuesday Scott
1: yeah I'm with you on McClanahan we're probably going to be competing for him in those drafts he might be my favorite breakout pitcher for next year you know swinging strike rate is like my most favorite stat for pitchers and uh if he qualified he would be 5th in swinging strike rate if he had enough innings to qualify behind Lenny DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw surprisingly that high and Corbin Burns those would be the four guys ahead of him. Uh you mentioned he has four pitches. The 20 the the breakdown of his 22 whiffs in this start was the 22 swinging strikes was Six fastball, seven slider, four curveball, five changeup. So they were all working Amazing. for him. Amazing, it's just rare for a rookie pitcher. And um, yeah, as far as the innings limit goes, um, you know, my takeaway from the whole process picking out fourteen pitchers who were maybe at the greatest concern for a shutdown because of innings. I I don't I don't think overall we need to be that concerned, which surprised me given that it's something we've been talking about all season after the very short 2020 season and McClanahan specifically, I think he's probably okay because the Rays were so careful with his innings early on. Um, he's up to, let's see, add the innings from this start. It was a five inning start, right? He has up to 65 innings for the season. Two years ago, I've kind of compared everyone to two years ago. Cause obviously last year's inning total was low for everybody. Two years ago, McClanahan threw 120 and two thirds innings, so he's a little more than halfway there. With less than half the season to go, they're hoping to be in the playoffs and hoping to go on a deep run. So maybe they maybe they slow him down a little, but I don't think it'll be that much.
0: All right, in terms of uh, Luis Garcia and Trevor Rogers, what did you find out about those two when it comes to potential innings limits for this season?
1: So I've talked about how Trevor Rogers seems like the single greatest risk for for a shutdown, being that he's a rookie, hasn't missed a turn yet for a team that's obviously not going anywhere. But uh, the Marlins pitching coach, Mel Stottlemyre Jr., actually commented on this in June, and he said that Rogers' limit was between 170-175 innings. seemed crazy to me. Uh, Two years ago, he threw 136 and a third and obviously, last year he didn't throw that many. And I just, you know, he's Trevor Rogers has made himself into su- such a good asset this year. Maybe the Marlins' greatest asset, as a matter of fact, that I don't know why they'd want to push him that hard. And I'm kind of skeptical it'll actually go the way Stottlemyer said it would. It's reason to think twice about selling high on Trevor Rogers. Uh, right. But I will point out on Rogers that this was his fourth start in a row, I believe, with less than six innings. It does seem like the Marlins are being more cautious with him as the season enters its waning period. I saw well, his, less than six innings and five straight actually. Yeah. Last I've,
0: last five starts for Trevor Rogers. He has a four point zero nine ERA. So he has not allowed more than three runs in any start of the season, which is an amazing feat for such a young starting pitcher. But a lot of those starts are also three runs, five innings, which obviously is not a great start in the grand scheme of things so uh the numbers are still very good but last five Re- rogers has been much more pedestrian uh luis garcia will just point out the velocity was up one mile per hour on each of his fastball cutter and curveball in the start against cleveland he looked absolutely yeah. ridiculous um the other names that people people keep asking about scott carlos Sordon and freddie Peralta. real quickly did you find anything concrete on either of those two
1: no um, they we mentioned recently that the Brewers were adding a sixth man, and I think skipping Freddie, they skipped Freddie Peralta's first turn after the All Star break. So they are they are uh, adjusting um, for for what's you know his 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 workload reaching new heights here. But it doesn't seem like particularly with them in first place that they're going to be able to shut down him or Corbin Burns or somebody mentioned Brandon Woodruff on Twitter as a possibility. I, I wasn't really worried about Woodruff, but his innings history isn't so great. So it's worth speculating on. I just think they're going to be careful with them and maybe skip turn here and there, maybe pull them earlier than they otherwise would, but not enough that's going to, that, it, that it should really change your approach to them in fantasy. I think Luis Garcia is actually at more risk for that. Once Jose Urquidy comes back, they'll have... Six guys who deserve a rotation spot, including Garcia. And uh, Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle speculated that when that happens, they may move Luis Garcia to a bullpen like they did Christian Hernandez Mm. and uh, have him serve, keep him kind of semi-stretched out in a multi-inning relief role in case somebody else goes down. But you may not be able to rely on Luis Garcia as a starter forever, as good as he's been.
0: All right, so he might be one of the biggest sell-high candidates of that group that you wrote about on the site. And you said Christian Hernandez. Just want to make sure. I, that was Christian Javier, right?
1: It was Christian Javier, sorry. Okay,
0: cool. No, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, let's get back into some offense from Tuesday, some American League dingers. There was a lot of home runs on Tuesday. Matt Olson hit his 25th home run, came off of a lefty again. He is batting 302 with 13 homers and... And a 10.36 OPS against left-handed pitching this season. I, I don't want to talk about next season, you know, too early here. I mean, we're you know mid-July, whatever. But if Matt Olsen keeps crushing lefties, he's someone I'm going to be very excited about for next year as well. Jose Altuve had a double dong. He's now at 22 homers. Kyle Tucker went three for four with his 16th home run. Randy Arena, I know he was listening yesterday to the podcast because he hit a double and his 11th home run of the season. The Yankees, they got hot. Gary Sanchez hit his 17th. John Carlos Stanton hit his 16th. And specifically, in that Twins and White Sox game, we just, it was fireworks. There was home runs all over the place there. Josh Donaldson hit his 15th home run. Since the start of June, he's batting 267 with 10 homers. That's a 44-homer pace over 150 games. And if you remember, Josh Donaldson was one of the most vocal hitters in the league about pitchers using sticky substances. And he's performed very well uh, since that crackdown has started. So might be some, yep. might, might on to something there, Josh Donaldson. Uh, Jorge Polanco went one for four with his 13th home run in 64 games since the start of May. He's hitting 272, 12 homers, six steals for Jorge Polanco. That is a 28 home run, 14 steal pace over 150 games. He has been great. Yohan uh, Moncada went three for four, hit his third home run in as many days. He's got a 43% fly ball rate in July, which is the highest of any month. So I think that's helped out with the power. And then Jose Abreu, a single short of the cycle, man. Really? (laughs) I mean, of all the things, I I would not, Jose Abreu is not a triple kind of guy to me, but that's what happened. He hit his 18th home run. He's now up to 75 RBI and seems like he's coming around in, in the month of July. Anything you'd like to hit on here, Scott, from this wide cast of characters? <laughs> I think it's amazing how Matt
1: Olson has managed to keep his strikeout rate low. I keep waiting for this correction, like we've seen from Jared Walsh, where you know he regresses to a more typical strikeout rate, but it just hasn't happened. And he just keeps he continues to make contact, and he might be like a third rounder next year if it continues. Jorge Polanco, yeah, I he was one of my favorite deep sleepers for middle infield heading into the season, and I just gave up on him too early. His April was miserable. There was talk that his ankle wasn't quite right, and that had affected him the previous year. And I dropped him too soon. Even in like 15-team Roto Leagues, I dropped him. Mm. Sucks. Yeah. He's been great, as you point out.
0: Yeah, he really has. Let's go over to the National League. Some uh, dingers there from Tuesday. Freddie Freeman stays hot two for four with his 22nd home run. Chris Taylor had a double dong of his own. He's now up to 13 home runs. He actually just walked in the bottom of the ninth. Tyler Rogers is in for the save in a one-run game, so we will let you know what happens there. Pete Alonzo hit his 19th home run. He has three straight multi-hit games. Reese Hoskins hit his 21st home run of the season. He had a sub-600 OPS in June. He had an OPS over 800 in every other month this season, so... I think it was just one really, really bad month for Reese Hoskins. Um, Andrew McCutcheon hit his 17th home run off of a I'll roll. as Chapman. More on that in a little bit. Uh, Nolan Arenado hit his 18th. Josh Bell hit his 14th. It came off of a lefty. And Mikey Stremski stays hot. Hit his 15th home run of the season. Scott, anything here on these names?
1: No, not really. I mean, McCutcheon and Stremski, they've really turned their seasons around. I don't know that there's anything actionable to say about that because they're both widely rostered, at least in CBS sports leagues. But if you play in a format where they are available, maybe it's with a different site or whatever, and you see their overall numbers and you're like, whatever. I can ignore this guy. Nope. They're they've definitely turned their seasons around and are back to being fantasy assets, I think. That's McCutcheon and Yastrzemski. All right. Some picture- oh, and I do want to mention this this shocked me. Pete Alonso's strikeout rate. You know, considering he's not having that great of a year overall, and and maybe he's starting to come around. This was what his nineteenth home run. Yes,
0: nineteen. He has, few,
1: he, he has fewer strikeouts this year than, uh, than Freddie Freeman. And he did have like a minimal IL st- stay back in in May, but he's played a lot. His strikeout rate, yeah, it's only twenty one percent.
0: Yeah, not what you'd expect for a slugger of his ilk. Yeah, I think the week that you were out, Scott. We were doing I was doing a bunch of podcasts with uh, Chris at that point and I I brought up Pete Alonso as as a candidate to buy because of that plate discipline and it's the best that we've ever seen and he's crushing the ball. He's actually hitting the ball harder than ever before and making more contact. So, that should lead to good things for Pete Alonso. You can still try to buy him now, but he's playing really well. So, I, it's going to be much harder to do now than it was even two weeks ago for Pete Alonzo. Some pitching performances we'll quickly mention. James Kaprilian, six shutout with seven strikeouts against the Angels. Hugh Darvish made his return. He was at the Braves, five and two thirds, two runs, three strikeouts. He looked pretty rusty. His control was pretty bad in this start. Uh, Wade Miley up against the Mets, six and a third, two runs, eight strikeouts. And that is it. I was going to bring up Alex Wood, but his final line was not very good. Five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts.
1: Just shout-out to Wade Miley. He was almost my, oh-my-goodness-gracious player. just been so bankable this year. As good as his overall numbers look, and I've pointed this out before, but it's worth reminding everyone, that's with a, an awful start at Colorado uh, on back in May, May 14th. If you take that start, it was eight runs and in three innings or something like that. If you take that out, then Wade Miley this year has a 208 ERA and 107 whip.
0: Whew. Just a fantastic season for Wade Miley. I would throw him in the regression bucket, Scott, though I, I think I might have either the most confidence in him or Kyle Gibson. I think it's close between those two, but I think there yeah. is going to be some regression for Miley as there is going to be for Kyle Gibson and, and Anthony DeSclefani as well.
1: There, there has to be, and his ex-fip is near four, yeah. which is worth pointing out, but his ground ball rate this year, Wade Miley's, is better than it's ever been, and he's always been a good ground ball pitcher.
0: I said I was going to let you know what happened in this Giants game. Tyler Rogers was in for the save. He walked the first batter. He walked the second batter. Will Smith came up as a pinch hitter. Three-run homer. That's the end of the game. Blown save for Tyler Rogers. Let's talk about some other bullpen updates. Aroldis Chapman got the Yankees' first save opportunity in the second half of the season. Came in a three-run game. He allowed a solo home run to Andrew McCutcheon, but did strike out the side. He hit 103 with the fastball, so... I think mostly good. You still don't like to see the home run, but obviously strikeouts are great there for a role this Chapman. There was a uh, lot.
1: And for what it's worth, Zach Britton's been terrible.
0: Yes, he has. He,
1: he pitched the eighth. He followed Chad Green, who pitched the seventh. So I don't know if you take anything from that in terms of pecking order. But yeah, I'd, I would, I would if I if I was handcuffing somebody to Chapman right now, it would be Chad Green.
0: There was a lot of bullpen updates. Let's, let's run through these. The Twins, Hansel Robles, he entered with runners on first and second in the eighth inning. He gave up an RBI single and then a three-run home run to Jose Abreu. And Hansel Robles takes the loss there. I don't think he's very good. I think Taylor Rogers is probably their best reliever uh, for the Royals. Scott Barlow was in the using the eighth inning to face three, four, and five in the lineup. Greg Holland got his sixth save of the season. The Royals have six relievers with a save and three that have at least four saves this season. So. That's been a mess for the Reds from one mess to another. The Cincinnati Reds. Heath Hembry was used in the eighth inning to face four, five, and six in the lineup. He gave up a run. And then Amir Garrett came in in the ninth and grabbed his seventh save of the season. I mentioned Lucas Sims going on his rehab assignment starting next week. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto got his ninth save. And he has actually the last three saves for the Tigers. He's 32% rostered. For the Mariners, Paul Sewald was used in the eighth. He gave up a two-run homer. Kendall Graveman uh, picked up his ninth save of the season. Scott, if you play in a Roto Categories League and you're looking for saves, would you rather have Graveman or Gregory Soto?
1: Definitely Graveman. Definitely Graveman. I think he's probably underappreciated, under-rostered. Paul Seewald, by the way, basically since we started hyping him as a potential threat to Graveman, he's been Pretty rough since then.
0: Sure has. For the Cardinals, Alex Reyes finally blew a save and just had a meltdown of epic epic proportions. He entered the game 6-1, to one, bases loaded. He walked in two, gave up a two-run single, gave up a two-run double. Again, first blown save of the season for Alex Reyes. For the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell, 22nd save. For the Nationals, Brad Hand got his 20th. And for the Braves, Will Smith got his 19th. And again, just circling back on the Giants, I think this just further entrenches Jake McGee as the closer of the, I guess, near future and for the rest of the season for the Giants.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it had been a while since Gabe Kapler had strayed from McGee in the ninth and and used Rodgers instead. To the point I didn't think he was going to do it anymore. This surprised me that he went that route. But yeah, the fact that it blew up in his face, probably going to be less likely to do that in the future.
0: Yeah, and Jake McGee was used in this game just in the eighth inning. Right. So uh, right. that that is definitely notable. And look, these are huge games. Giants, Dodgers, obviously divisional matchups where the Giants are obviously trying to hold on to best record in the league. He was overthinking it. It was such a big game. At oh, the, man. At the end of the day, Scott... Gabe Kapler turns back into Gabe Kapler. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? All right, so some streamers. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Wednesday. Michael Waka versus the Orioles. Chad Cool at the Diamondbacks. Mad Bum versus the Pirates. Eric Fetty versus the Marlins. Kyle Muller versus the Padres. And Brad Keller at the Brewers.
1: I will go Brad Keller. Definitely. It's my favorite. Followed by Kyle Muller against the Padres. And if you had to pick somebody else, I think I'd say Madison Baumgarner against the Pirates
0: on Thursday to stream or not to stream Mike (laughs) Fulton-Nevich at the Detroit Tigers Jordan Montgomery at the Red Sox Tanner Houck versus the Yankees Adbert Alzali at the Cardinals Josh Fleming at Cleveland and Cal Quantrill versus Tampa Bay this list is uh, not great
1: yeah I mean I don't ever think it's a terrible idea to start Jordan Montgomery I know at Boston obviously a tough matchup but probably be, be my first choice if I had to Albert Alzelay at St. Louis, I don't think is bad either.
0: Yeah, I'm not not going to recommend anyone else on this list. So we will wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot.